All right. Welcome, Rob. How are you? Doing great. Good to see you, Al. Hey, great to see you. I'm joined by my longtime friend, Rob Sense from Moscow, Idaho. Mob, Rob, if you would uh, introduce yourself, please. Yeah. Uh, so I've been sort of in the labor market and higher ed and HR world for about 15 years. Um, I work on marketing um, and research and a lot of content. And I guess lately we've been working a lot on this idea of labor shortage and what to do about it. Yeah, I, you you understate uh, you know your impact because you are the founder of a tool called Finder Calling. You are instrumental in the development and growth of MZ, which is now together with Burning Glass, which has really created the space of talent market analytics. And obviously, it has other naming conventions, but it really looks at the connection between education and employer needs and what's happening at the governmental level at you know, everything from cities, counties and, and states. So can you just talk, you know, straight into it? We have this labor shortage as perceived by many. We have uh, inflation that is occurring in certain segments and certainly more, more broadly, which is putting constraints on, you know, labor additionally and as well as budgets so you know where are we right now and as we talk today about talent strategies and what organizations can do you know where is your head where's your energy right now given you know everything that's happening yeah i guess you know what we see today is further and further you know more and more confirmation about the problem which is we have a huge number of openings uh and every study and every survey that comes out you know two notable ones have been uh, the conference board did one for CEOs where CEOs said, you know, domestic U.S.-based CEOs said the number one problem they're having right now, their number one fear is people shortage. And then uh, the uh, uh, the National Student Clearinghouse came out and said uh, essentially almost another 500,000 students left higher ed this past year. Um, so we're down in two years, down over a million students in higher ed. And so we all the things that come out just give us more and more evidence that, you know, what demographers started talking about probably 20 plus years ago is this idea of a demographic cliff. Um, and now we're really dealing with it. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's not one of those problems that we can sort of emerge from, you know, like the idea of a pandemic is that it's a, or a recession is, is that it's a quick spike, right? Mm -hmm. It goes up and it goes down and you, you kind of experience that, um, roller coaster effect where I whereas I think a labor shortage is going to be a pronounced long-term deal right um, and this is also evidenced by what we see in other countries places like Japan um, you know most of Europe you know Spain Italy etc um, where they just struggle um, to find enough people for all the work that needs to be done and so what what I'm doing right now is trying to think about you know, probably for most, you know, most employers, most schools, most cities, it's what are short term things we can do to deal with it, right? Because mm -hmm. if it's going to be with us for a long time, how do we function with it? Yeah, with that in mind, I know you have some research in the works, and we'll get to that in a little bit. And I want to emphasize the fact that this 
topic can be daunting to many. It's like, oh right. gosh, you know, what, what am I going to do? You know, I can't accelerate people through uh, an educational system. I can't uh, all of a sudden make people appear in the geography or in the job family of interest to me. So in terms of the practical application of this, I, I want to ask this pointed question. Uh, who needs to be in the discussion from an organizational mm -hmm. perspective? Because uh, yeah. historically, arguably, it's been recruiting or talent acquisition. Um, yet it goes way beyond that. In and yeah. I know in in your view. So you know, with that in mind, yeah, who needs to be in the room um, talking about this and making decisions? Well, I do think you know, given that it's it is sort of top of mind of you know everybody from CEOs to presidents. Um, and I would even say increasingly, we would, we'll probably see it become a political um, issue. Well, this is something that if you think about politicians in places like Europe um, or, you know, the East, this is a top five pillar for them. You know, a lot of countries where you've had presidents actually do things like say, Hey, everybody go home and we'll give you credits if you have children. Right. And those programs never work. So, at the highest level, it's got to be people running organizations. Uh, and then it does turn into um, all the people downstream of that. And, you know, typically it's things like recruiting, you know, in the higher ed world, it would be, you know, recruiting, you know, enrollment people. And in, in companies, it's, you know, it's the strategic HR. Um, but it's got to be sort of everybody because everybody's dealing with it. If people are the number one problem or lack of, then it's sort of everybody's problem. Because this affects compensation strategy, it affects location strategy, it affects uh, skills and learning and development strategy. So can you speak to that insofar as if a company is going to be an employer of choice, if they're going to be attractive, uh, looking at the system and how they can market themselves, you know, and to students and early career professionals isn't just correct me if i'm wrong again a nice to have or a good thing to do out of the goodness of, of their hearts it's mission critical it's it's fundamental yeah. to their business yeah 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 it, yeah so i think that we for if you think about what happened after world war ii you know we had the baby boom and as people grew up you know 60s 70s 80s we really experienced a, um, an abundance of people and that abundance manifested itself as a, an abundance of talent. We had, you know, it was the most people we've ever seen go to college. And then we not only were men going to college, but we had women going to college. So we essentially doubled the population of people who were working. Hmm. And that was a huge benefit to pretty much every company out there where they could make a job posting and take their pick of the litter, so to speak. You know, they could find really good people off the shelf. And I know, I don't think, you know, we can still do that today. Um, but what we're starting to see is that growth curve is peaked. And now what will happen is we will start to see a decline, right? That growth, growth curve will start to turn in the other direction. And it's not a curve that we can change back in the upward swing in any kind of short term. So it does mean, like what you just said, is that presence and the effort to get in front of people changes. Where 
I think what it's been for so long, what we've been so used to is people lining up for work. Now what we're going to have to do is see work lining up for people. Interesting. And if you don't mind, I'd like to bring up this study that you're working on. Do you want to talk about this? Because it, it effectively, correct me if I'm wrong, again, <laughs> reflects what you just uh, asserted that it, yeah. we need to think systematically about talent strategy early and often. Yeah. 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 So talent strategy was, was often you can make a job posting, have 30 people or 50 people, or in some cases, hundreds of people apply to that job. And then you could sit you know, on your computer or you could sit in front of whatever system you're using and you know, narrow in, oh, we'll take the top five, we'll start interviewing them, and then we'll pick the best one. Uh, right now, what a lot of companies are experiencing is they'll make that same job posting and see far fewer people apply to it and, and realize that that's not, that's not meeting their needs like it was 10 years ago. And so when we talk about here, what we talked about is early and often, because what, you know, Tala, who Tala works with a lot of young people, high school, college age people, and does a lot of surveys with them to better understand their perspective on the labor market, their perspective on education. And really, one of the key things I think they've done is they've asked a lot of key questions about the types of companies you'd want to work for. And over and over, what comes back is people want to work for companies that are basically making that effort to be in front of them at an early age, essentially building their brand and saying, hey, we want you. We want to have a relationship with you. We want, we want what you can do. And one of the biggest findings that has come out of these studies is that the companies that do that have a ma there's a massive preference over 70% of the students that say that the companies that do that are companies that they prefer to work for. The second part of it is those companies also have to show aligned values, right? Many young people today, and I'd say pretty much all of us, right? I mean, we're really talking about three generations of workers, you know, uh, what we refer to as early talent, which, you know, Generation Z, today's high school and college age students, the millennials, which is now making really kind of a bulk of the labor market, and then Gen X, um, which is becoming the older part of the labor market, um, baby boomers are leaving the labor market. Um, if you think about the, the three key generations that are composing the, the market today, the big thing you see about them is how much they want to be values aligned in their work. Money's important, right? But people want to believe in the mission. They want to understand the why and believe in the mission of the company they're working with, right? Mm -hmm. And so if, if companies can be in front of a new generation of talent, early and often with their value proposition and their, here's how we help, you know, solve problems and things like that. That's massively appealing. And from a strategy point of view, that's probably how you fill your pipeline with talent, you know, over the next five or 10 years. And you might be thinking like, well, we need talent today. We need a sales rep today. We need a nurse today. We need a coder today. We need whatever today. And it's like, yes, that's true. But one of the best ways, and you're going to need that in five years. So one of the best things you could be doing right now is to be getting in front of the people who you, who you would be trying to hire in three to five years and building that relationship. And I think that's that's kind of a new thing. It probably sounds a little intimidating to some people. Well, I imagine it does because, to your point, that's longer term thinking that mm -hmm. uh, 
speaks to arguably workforce planning. Uh, it speaks to allocating money to the future as opposed to the here and now. Um, and the willingness uh, is lacking oftentimes, but you're highlighting yeah. the critical nature uh, of that because if uh, yeah, call a high value talent, uh, they're, correct me if I'm wrong, given the labor uh, market dynamics now, have options. So yes. if, you know, do they want to go to a known quantity, something that's been top of mind for them for years, or do they want to go to an organization that they just heard about during the recruiting process? I would imagine their, the relationship equity that's built up is going to carry the day more often mm -hmm. than not. With that in mind, what we're talking about not only screams workforce planning, it screams uh, employment branding, which yes. I haven't um, heard much of relative to years prior. So we go back 10 years, it was like uh, employment branding is this and we everyone mm -hmm. you know has to do it. So my pointed question is this, is how do organizations actually get in front of students and early career professionals so they're building this relationship equity? You know, what does that look like? Do you have any examples? Yeah. Yeah. And I think one of the things is it's very much as we observe it, an employment branding approach is very much like any approach, um, any marketing approach a, a firm would take, right? It, mm -hmm. it, it looks pretty much identical. And if you think about anybody who uses a, a solid branding or marketing strategy, there's some real key steps they go through. And, you know, this all goes back to the idea when if you, you know, if you're online, if you're watching TV, or if you're reading something, you know, in print, you often come across advertisements, right? And they can be very annoying to you, you know, intrusive, you know, it's like, oh, you know, you know, the, the fun thing about online is you can just sort of X and it just goes away, right? Um, but if you think about it, like why do companies like Toyota, Pepsi, you know, whatever, you know, whatever brand that you're familiar with, why do they do that? Right. You've heard of Toyota before. Why do they keep telling you about Toyota? Well, they understand that there is a strong relationship between how much you see them and how much you buy from them and how much you sort of have that brand equity, you know, that there's a, the, there's a sort of loyalty. And if, if I flip it, like if I think if I express it in terms of advertising, it's like, yeah, advertising is annoying. But then if I said, you know, let's say you are very invested, you know, let's say Honda was your preferred car. How hard is it for me to get you to stop buying Hondas? Right. Mm. Or, you know, remember you remember, uh, you know, probably 10 years back, Apple. Right. Where you had Apple fans where Apple people would they would look at your phone or your computer and be like, whoa, why don't, what's wrong with you? Why don't you have, right? So if you think about like advertising is just a small part of what companies do to build a brand. But when you think about the effect that a strong brand has on you, you develop a high amount of, a high sense of loyalty to that thing because it, it, it you know, it might improve your quality of life. Um, it has a mission that you agree with, whatever. Right. And you can think about it any, you know, clothing, food, um, consumer products, um, all the way up to, oh, you know, professional services that we are very tied to. And I think the thing is, those companies, as they grow, realize that developing and cultivating that audience is as crucial to the product that they make. 
Hmm. And, and so if we flip that idea that's really played out in marketing, if we flip that idea over into the area of HR, hiring, and recruiting, it's almost the exact same thing, hmm. where the first thing that anybody who, who wants to invest in an audience, the first thing they have to do is do their homework and their research on the audience itself. So it tends to start with data, right? You know, so a good, a good marketer would say, you don't want to just splash your product in front of, you know, hundred million people. Well, if you're, I mean, I guess if you're like Pepsi or something like you do, but in general, what you want to do is segment an audience and say, who are the people that we want to talk to? What do we understand about them? Right. And so I think what, if we think about the new generation of talent, it, it all starts with looking at data. Once you understand that audience and you understand the ideal audience for you, then you have to start to question how they think about you, what they're after, and how will you build a brand that really resonates with them. Now, we're, we're talking about that in the context of employment, right? Not in the context of selling them something. You're talking to them in the context of employment. Uh, and then after that, it, it turns into strategy. And then after that, it turns into what campaigns, what things do you actually do in reality to, uh, to work with them? Um, and there's a lot yeah. of examples. Yeah. That, that's it. I'm glad you landed there because that's exactly where I was going because uh, or my head was going because mm -hmm. it's one thing to see a logo splash up, you know, as you're yeah. scrolling through Instagram or something. It's another thing to hear a story of something great that's happened within that company, particularly if that story relates to who you are at the present time or an imminent right. you. And mm -hmm. what I want to get to is there are many organizations now that are offering students or early career professionals incentives to join them. Uh, can you speak to some of the offerings that are out there that you see working? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, so oddly enough, uh, developing a good strategy and a good brand around employment, if you try to be slick um, or gimmicky, those things actually really work against you. You know, mm -hmm. uh, one of the pieces of research that we've seen is if you essentially invade. So you imagine some big corporation invading young people's TikToks with their message, right? That's a bad idea. Um, <laughs> no, don't like nobody wants you doing that. Like they're they're on there hanging out with their friends and all of a sudden this corporation shows up and it's like, hey, we're cool and relevant. So like that Steve Buscemi <laughs> meme. And, um, you know, so like there's the the first the first thing is don't don't try to be slick and relevant. Um, but when we actually go back and look at the data, that same audience, so a high school student, a college student, is actually highly interested in the company in so far as the company talks about what the company is about, what it's like to work there, work there, and the types of people who get jobs there. Hmm. It does not, it should be straightforward, educational, and it does not need to like really try to go appeal to high school students. Um, you know, and, and then the other thing we found is how effective even things like an email are to a core group of people who have an interest in that area. So let's say you're interested in teaching an organization that does a lot of teaching, sending an email saying, we know, we see that you're interested in teaching. We want to tell you a little bit about what we do. Um, and then have somebody actually from the company talk about it is highly effective. 
And, and so then if you can essentially teach that audience what your company is about, what it's like to work there, it's think about like a field trip. I remember when I was a little kid, I remember doing a field trip to probably like the local McDonald's where the, somebody took us through all the operations behind the scenes. And I still remember it. I was probably like seven or eight years old and how amazing it was, right? To the people who work there, they're like, oh, this is terrible and boring. But to me, it was like, this is amazing, right? <laughs> I thought you were going to say seven or eight years ago. <laughs> I was going to call yeah. you out on that. <laughs> yeah. so, <laughs> a little younger than that. Yeah. No, but I mean, it, it, like, it's that concept of like, let us, let us show you what our company's like. Uh, because every young person today knows that they need to enter the labor market, knows that employment is something they have to do, and it's somewhat elusive. How do I learn about it? How do I meet people who do it? And they don't want to be pandered to. They, they, will, mm. they know I'm going to be an adult. So what's that like? And uh, so I think educational content is huge. And then things like internships, it's all the ships, right? The internships, the apprenticeships, the mentorships, the scholarships, all the things that companies do to invest down into the next generation are extremely effective. Now, in the, and again, in the world of recruiting, which is a lot like the world of sales, they're like, but I need it now. I need it tomorrow. And it's like, that's true, yes. But the best way to get it tomorrow is, is thinking about what you're doing three to five years ahead of time so that you're sort of, you know, reaping that, reaping the reward of winning that audience um, over time. So it's an and at the end of the day is what, what I'm hearing. Mm -hmm. And do you yeah. see enough investment? Where does this land? You know, I mentioned talent acquisition. I mentioned workforce planning. Is this a workforce planning initiative? Is this an employment branding initiative? Uh, is this related to employee experience and getting the word out there? I mean, where, where does this land yeah within I think an organization. It's probably all of it. it it probably depends on the company a little bit how the company is set up and who does that um but i think like any any good thing you think about any good product that's made is you know somebody's in charge of it and they have resources to execute right mm -hmm. and right. there there needs to be a top down vision at the company that says hey we really think this is important Right. right. So, you know, a company's highly invested in making its product or service. Right. If it's a, you know, a coffee company, it's, you know, it's obsessing about the quality of its, you know, coffee. If it's a car company, it's the car. You know, I think what companies need to do is take that exact same mentality and then adopt it into its people strategy. Hmm. The same level of care that they would give to making their product, they have to be giving to making the people because the people are the ones that really drive the company forward and make the quality product. Um, so I you think know, I, it's, it's the same approach. Yeah. I love what you're saying. And I imagine if, you know, among our viewers and listeners, they're nodding their head and go, yes, yes, yes. However, you know, this, yeah uh initiative this budget is falling through the cracks it's because to your right. point it's the here and now wins the day and thus we're not prepared for tomorrow and, and and certainly the day after tomorrow so i hope as we are dealing with this labor shortage talent shortage that there's an awakening to making this a priority because correct me if i'm wrong if this is not a priority winning tomorrow and the day after tomorrow is going right. to be increasingly hard it's not going to get easier yeah Nope. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's, it's a movement from we have had the luxury 
to be very tactical, right? Uh, one seat, fill it tomorrow, that kind of thing. What people need to get used to is having to be a far more strategic, right? Like big picture, lots of people. How do we segment? How do we get down? And how do we build a relationship over time? That's strategic thinking. It takes time. And I think that's the big difference is the win tomorrow. The, the, the way to win tomorrow is by investing three or five years ahead of time. You know, with, with this in mind, I hit my mic. Sorry. Um, the, uh, and there's so much we can explore here. And we're going to have to have you back to, to do some of that exploration because building relationships with academic institutions, uh, yeah. you know, with um, regional economic boards and, and really looking at the system in which you're, you're doing business. And, and again, I am an advocate of stakeholder relationship management, people data for good, all that. I'm also a business person insofar as that this is mission critical. This is not just a nice to have. So I'm not going to pontificate on that right now. I just want to call it out. And I want to ask this question um, before we wrap is that many companies are, and again, if you think differently, please let me know, are offering financial incentives, um, paying for education, for yeah. example, to elevate this uh, sense of loyalty and potentially even contractually um, oblige them to have a certain tenure of service, mm -hmm. um, yeah. you know, after the fact, uh, particularly in jobs that, you know, there's supply demand is, is way off. There's a gross undersupply yeah. of, of mm -hmm. talent. Um, do you think, that is something that is going to increase. And if organizations are not doing it now, do you think that's something that sh they should increasingly look into is writing a check for the education mm -hmm. of someone offering an internship that's paid to actually have that, you know, just fill the pipeline earlier? Yeah. Oh, I think it's absolutely happening. And I think what you described there is what every company is going to be doing versions of, uh, mm -hmm. you know, Think about the cost of higher ed and how much that's been a topic for, you know, a good 20 years. You know, the price has gone through the roof, but people were still paying it uh, because there was sort of a return on, you know, on investment. Now, people had a lot of debt. One of the things that's starting to happen is businesses increasingly are saying, hey, we will foot that bill. You know, think about, you know, you've got Target, Starbucks, Apple, Microsoft, you know, um, You've got things like Guild where, you know, a young person today, if you're 16 or 17, I think one of the things you should be thinking is, man, if I go get a job at one of these companies, it could even be in retail. They're going to pay for my school. And if I stick around for two or three or four years, I'll be getting paid. You know, maybe it's $15, $18 an hour, which isn't bad for them. Plus, these companies are going to, reimburse or pay for my education. So all of a sudden that getting into 80 or $100,000 in debt because of school, that whole equation changes pretty big. And it's because a lot of companies are starting to play down in the education space and they realize it actually helps them retain talent. I also feel like we're going to see the sort of the re-advent of that. Um, remember the, uh, the, the phrase, I'm a GE man, or, mm -hmm. or, you know, where it was the picture of somebody who starts at a company. Maybe they didn't go to college and they started a company when they were 16 or 18 years old doing one of the, you know, entry level, low level jobs. 
and then they're 65 years old and they retire from that company. They worked their entire, you know, they worked in five or 10 different jobs in that company over time. Mm-hmm. I almost, I feel like we're heading back towards something like that where companies are so invested in keeping that lifelong person that they invest in them. They, you know, they help them with their education. They help them basically with all kinds of things because they cannot afford to lose them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I I think it's kind of fascinating to think about. And if we do look at the survey data amongst, you know, high school and college age students, they do say that they prefer to stay at a company longer now. You know, there is a big shift um, in their attitude. It's there. People are not wanting to job hop or at least young people don't really want to job hop like we've seen, you know, maybe millennials or Gen X do. So, yeah, it's kind and of historically, yeah, and it is super fascinating. And historically, mm-hmm. people job hop because they can get more job and get yeah. appreciated, you know, and get more income um, yep. by doing yep. that. So if employers get ahead of it and, you know, reduce that uh, reality and offer educational incentives, say I'm developing Mm -hmm. plus something that needs to be called out is that feasibly I can create more stability in terms of where I live because there's a cost to moving each time, even within the same region. So, and Mm -hmm. I know the the transaction costs of of housing moves, whether it be renting or owning are are increasingly high. So yeah, yeah, I think, as you articulate that, I believe that to be true. And I think there's intention behind that or there should be mm-hmm. intention behind that. So Rob, yeah. we're definitely going to have to talk about this sure. again. Um, once the research report comes out, when is that going to uh, be released? Yeah, we're in final edit right now. Um, I, my hope is in the next 30 days or so, we'll have it out there. Okay. Um, well, we'd be sure yeah, to, you know, highlight that uh, on our website, give you props <laughs> and, you know, get that out. Um, if you're just uh, joining us, join us midway through. I'm with Rob Sense. He has been a leader in talent market analytics space. Uh, is that what you call it, Rob? What, what, what do you call it succinctly? Yeah, I think just labor market analytics. And, and yeah, lately it's been a lot more about demographics. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you doing what you do. Learn from you each time we interact so uh look forward to talking again so thanks for being here today and uh hopefully we'll get together uh in person before too long yeah love to thanks al